This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. The Tuesday edition of the Fenway Rundown podcast, Mass Live's Red Sox show. Sean McAdam is here. I'm Chris Cotillo, and we have some clarity on the Red Sox search for Bloom's replacement, a new general manager or president of baseball operations or chief baseball officer, whatever they're going to call it. There are names, and we discussed what we were hearing on Friday. At that point, we were hearing similar things to what have broken. I know that sounds like a reporting cop-out. We just did not have the names fully nailed down in a couple of these cases. Some of the things that have broken the last couple of days from Chad Jennings of The Athletic, Rob Bradford of WEI, some other places. But we now have a sense, Sean, of who's definitely in. Three names in that category. Who's definitely out. Five names have kind of surfaced there, and, and I think it's even more than that. And then a group of maybes that include some interesting names that we'll get to. So we're going to run it all down first with a focus on who is out, because I think that is the big story. As we talked about on the show that went up Friday, the Red Sox were being met with a lot of resistance, a lot of people declining their overtures. I think that that is the big storyline here. Um, And as we hinted at, we said, you know, it's not just your number one types. It's not just Derek Falvey in Minnesota or Mike Hazen in Arizona, which we can expect in a search like this, that those guys in good jobs who are running departments elsewhere, you're going to have a hard time getting them. But it's also some guys uh, that you would think would want to come to Boston. And I think the two prominent names there, Phillies GM Sam Fold, Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes. Now we say GM, those guys are the number twos in their respective spots fold behind old friend Dave Dombrowski, Brandon Gomes, behind Andrew Friedman. These are two young, up-and-coming executives, in both cases former players, um, who have and never it, gotten it should the- be noted, both with New England ties. Right. Uh, fold from New Hampshire, who attended uh, uh, Phillips Exeter, and Brandon Gomes from the South Coast area. Uh, not sure if it's Fall, Fall River. River. Bedford, yeah, and uh, a history there, and having played um, you know, briefly for the Red Sox, um, so there are connections there, and you would think that this job would have some pull for each of them to come home to where they grew up and where presumably they first became fans of baseball. But both are staying put, and they're doing so, as you noted, with. Um, significant names still above them. Dave Dombrowski's not going anywhere anytime soon, we don't think, and nor is Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers. So uh, I, I think that is telling that you do have a couple of guys who you would think would express interest here and who would be good fits who are saying no thanks. That's the, that's I think the big takeaway. These are guys who have never had the number one chair, the types of guys that you should be able to lure in the mold of a Bloom four years ago that are saying, I'm not willing to even interview. And, you know, we don't know the individual situations of either Sam Fold or Brandon Gomes. I almost said Johnny Gomes. Um, In the case of Sam Fold, you know, maybe he has a promise from Dave Dombrowski, who's obviously one of the older executives in the game, that 
Um, you can take over in a couple of years. Maybe in the case of Brandon Gomes, uh, he's going to have some more power in L.A. Uh, we don't know the power structures there, but you know these are the guys you should be able to be lining up to interview. The fact that they're not, I think, says a lot about where the Red Sox stand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- these are um, you know these are people that should be willing or interested in taking that next step. Uh, with an opportunity to come in and be the number one here and run a legacy franchise. And yet something about that opening or opportunity um, either doesn't interest them from a personal standpoint, maybe for family reasons, or maybe for some of the reasons we've cited and heard, there are off-putting reasons about what you'd be walking into here at Fenway. So Sam Fold, Brandon Gomes both played for the Rays, an executive in the maybe boat, and we'll get to that in a minute. James Click, who famously led the Astros to a World Series title last year and when then was fired by um, Jim Crane, who uh, he never medals, so it's weird that he'd fire his GM after winning the World Series. But power struggle there with Crane and Dusty Baker and all that, and Click spent the last year with Toronto. So Click, Sam Fold, Brandon Gomes, all guys with Rays ties. James Click, in his case, a fellow Yale graduate, along with Heim Bloom, and those two are very, very close friends. Um, if you think that these guys aren't going to Heim Bloom and asking him what the situation is like in Boston, how I'll be treated, you know, what did they ask you to do versus why did they fire you, you're out of your mind. This isn't a conspiracy theory, and it's not to say that Heim Bloom is some shit stir guy who's going out of his way to, you know, backstab the Red Sox organization on the way out here. These are guys who played for him in Tampa, who he knows, um, and are part of that tree. And, and especially in the case of Click, you know, a very close friend where he's going to say, hey, what's the situation there? And Haim, um, for the flaws he had during his tenure here, is most likely going to be extremely honest with a friend. And I think that ends up hurting the Red Sox, too, to go after people in that tree because <laughs> there is going to be honesty from Haim if they're asked. And I think... You know, James Click, we're not sure if he's interviewed or not. I think he'd be a good fit. Um, but I do think that he's going to have some natural reservations, potentially the same ones that Folden Gomes did, just based on conversations with, you know, and this is all speculation, don't know it for sure. But I mean, it seems super likely that those conversations would happen. Yeah, I mean, it's only logical that if one of your good friends in the game has essentially um, had the job that you are interviewing for or maybe interviewing for, you'd want to get the lay of the land. What's it like there? Uh, what's the power structure? Who do I report to? Who is helpful? The manager. There, you know, are, are there negatives? Are there things that I'll be walking into that are not going to work for me? Uh, do you recommend that I interview and, and take this job if it's offered? And you know, we talked about two guys who are now GMs with successful franchises, Gomes in L.A. And by the way, I aired earlier saying he'd pitch for the Red Sox. That's not true. Brain cramp there. I apologize. Uh, and Sam Fold, who is the GM of a successful franchise in Philly, even if they're not going to be running the show anytime soon, uh, they're in stable positions and may, as you said, have the opportunity to move up down the road. Clicks a little different. He's essentially, uh, you know, a consultant with the Blue Jays, um, not a hugely defined role there. And he is probably looking to get back into the number one chair and a chance to do that in Boston may be, make more sense for him 
than it does either for Gomes and Fold in their respective positions. Sticking with the guys who have said no, again, we're not sure on Click. We're sure on Fold and Gomes, as Chad Jennings reported last night, and Derek Falvey, which, again, I don't even think it's worth getting into because he's a number one head of baseball operations somewhere. Someone like that was never coming here. The two veteran names that have seemed to pull them, or John Daniels has definitely pulled himself out of consideration, and a guy you reported on Friday, Mike Hill, former Marlins boss, working in the league office, seems comfortable there. Um, John Daniels, for family reasons, according to Rob Bradford, wants to keep the family in Texas, keep being a senior advisor for the Rays from there. Michael Hill, comfortable with his job in the league office. Is it the same takeaway about an unattractive job from those guys, or, or do you think that you know your takeaways are a little different with them? Well, as you noted, Daniels uh, apparently cited family reasons. He has lived in Texas for a long time for his, I think, 17-year career with the Rangers. That is a long, long time to be an executive with one franchise. I think 14 or 15 years as GM and then two or three as president of baseball ops before parting ways with the Rangers in August of 2022. And now Chris Young is running the show there. Uh, we'll get to another former Ranger executive um, in a minute. Um, but it, it seems that Daniels is a personal slash family situation. Um, so we, you know, we don't know there. And Hill, uh, we do know that he loves working in the commissioner's office. He has a lot of, uh, he has the ear and of, uh, of Commissioner Rob Manfred. They think very highly of him. Uh, in New York. And while he has told friends, as I reported, that he would one day like to get back in a competitive environment where he's running a baseball operations department and back being, excuse me, back being in charge of a team. Uh, apparently, this is not that time for my kill. So that's five we can rule out at this point. And, and that's probably not the complete list of people who have said no. Well, actually, we can kind of throw out even a couple more. Mike Hazen, obviously, and Emil Sade in, in Arizona also got an extension, so I believe he's off the list. Um, Theo Epstein, Alex Cora, they've been ruled out as well. So the the list of people we know that are out is longer than the list of people we know are definitely in at this point as we record this Tuesday morning. We have three of those. Red Sox assistant GM Eddie Romero has interviewed. There are other internal candidates. We haven't identified them. I think it's logical that they'll talk to Raquel Ferreira. Um, and talk to some other people in the front office. I would guess that Brian O'Halloran is not a candidate for one of these jobs, but um, you never know when there's supposed to be some different internal candidates. It's tough to see. You know, It's not like they have an experienced GM on staff who would make a lot of sense. So probably yeah. Romero and Raquel. Um, the other two candidates that surfaced yesterday, the current general manager of the Twins, Thad Levine, was in Boston for an interview earlier this week and former Pirates general manager Neil Huntington. Uh, Levine is a guy who is the number two under Falvey, but has had, you know, uh, really kind of a share of the responsibilities there for a while and a generally successful Twins organization. Huntington is a New Hampshire native who ran the Pirates forever. He was out of baseball last year, I believe, worked for the for the Guardians as a consultant the year before. Um, Levine's never been in that number one chair, worked in Texas under Daniels for a while, then to Minnesota. Huntington has. Um, those are kind of, you know, experienced candidates. Uh, I know Huntington with more experience than Levine. Your thoughts on on those guys? I, I think just talking to you uh, off the record over a beer yesterday, uh, some concerns with Neil Huntington's resume in Pittsburgh for you. 
Yeah, I mean, there wasn't um, a lot of progress made with the Pirates organization in his time there, uh, and it didn't end well. There were years of not being competitive. Uh, they didn't draft particularly well on his watch. Um, ben Charrington, of course, calling the shots now in Pittsburgh and making some progress last year. You can start to see them, you know, perhaps being a year behind where the Cincinnati Reds are and the NL Central as a small market team that has to build internally through the draft and international free agent signings, starting to develop some young talent, but haven't made a lot of headway there. And they certainly didn't on Huntington's watch. Um, he is uh, also part of, I believe, uh, you know, that. The, the kind of the Cleveland mafia where so many front office people uh, you, you mentioned him going back to work for the guardians. He was in Cleveland before being hired in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Falvey was uh, as Chris Antonetti remains as Mark Shapiro, who was once there. So there's a lot of executives that have come out of that Cleveland tree and Huntington's one of them. And as you noted, some new England roots, um, Levine is a guy pretty well thought of, worked for a long time for John Daniels in Texas before being brought to Minnesota by Derek Falvey, where, as you said, uh, you know, he's got a decent amount of power and is credited with a lot of the things the Twins have done there to be a pretty good, at least regular season team. They haven't seen that translated into any postseason success, although they did finally win a series in advance this year. Um, so, you know, two respected guys in the industry, but not huge names or, uh, you know, the, the the kind of profile that we might have expected um, before all this began. Yeah, I think, you know, either of them are, are interesting. Um, you know, I think those are the types of, or in, in the case of Huntington, he's a guy that even if he doesn't get, you know, a top job, he's a guy who could come in maybe as a special assistant for a, you know, first-time GM. I think that if they do go the first-time GM route or first-time president of baseball operations, they're going to add somebody with experience. I think that was a major flaw of the Bloom tenure. You know, we've seen, and, and you've given the examples in the past of the people that Theo Epstein had and some of these people, you know, who were around the Red Sox before. Bloom never did that. And even David Dombrowski brought some experienced friends and Tony LaRusso, Frank Wren. That's common, and Heim never did that. Uh, and I think that that would be something that does happen. Um, you know, I think neither of those names really gets me super excited. Um, but I do think the Eddie Romero thing is still worth talking about. You know, the more of these big theoretical perspective candidates, you know, we had heard for a long time, you know, people behind the scenes, people reporting it on their own elsewhere, that Sam Fold was the guy they were targeting and he was the favorite and he was the guy who really had to watch him and they loved him in the managerial interviews. They almost gave him the job that went to Alex Cora a couple of years ago. A guy like that falling out is great news for Eddie Romero, you know, and I think that Eddie Romero remains um, squarely in the mix for this. There's a debate to be had, you know, if in a time where they need organizational change, that that might not be the you know most drastic move, but he's loved in the organization, would obviously work well with Cora. I think the way things have shaped up so far, you know, good news for Eddie Romero um, in a variety of different ways. Yeah, and, and, you know, don't rule out the prospect of someone being brought in as a president of baseball operations or a clear number one decision maker. Maybe that's Huntington. Maybe that's someone like 
Levine being elevated somewhat and Eddie being named general manager mm-hmm. as the number two. That doesn't fit the profile of the seasoned grizzled veteran who knows where all the bodies are buried. They could still go out and hire one of those types. Um, but you, you could also see Eddie working in tandem with somebody and being promoted to GM in much the same way that Brian O'Halloran was the last few years under Heim. Right. And that is for an organization that wants change and realize that they, the structure they had was a little wonky at times. Not that Bloom and O'Halloran didn't get along great because they did. They were very, very, very tight um, and had complete trust in each other and all that. But to have the same structure where you bring in somebody from the outside to be the president of baseball ops or whatever, and then you have somebody from the inside elevate to GM, I think, again, is when you need sweeping changes to do that exact same type of thing, uh, it strikes me as somewhat strange, especially as we've talked about all the people around in the organization, BOH still having power, not that he's not, you know, a good executive, but I think it's just, you know, it's a time where they need somebody to come in and say, you know, no one else is getting promoted. I'm the person, you know, and, and to me, um, signs are pointing that might not be the case. The maybe category, Sean, is where I think the intriguing names are to me. No offense to the people who have interviewed, you know, I think Eddie Romero and, and Levine and Huntington would be capable. And, and I'm sure there are some other people on that list who are have maybe shifted from maybe to in, um, maybe from maybe to out. But the four names I have here, really the top three names that I have under the we've heard them in the last couple of days in connection, unclear if they've interviewed, they probably will, I think are very, very interesting. James Click, as we talked about a little bit earlier, won a World Series a year ago. Um, again, I think that, you know, the, he's clearly qualified the two things there, I would say the one I mentioned before, and I'll add a, a similar one, the Heim Bloom connection, Heim's going to tell his good friend, James click exactly what he needs to worry about. And that could dissuade click from having real interest in that job. And the other thing is the Red Sox potentially being a little nervous about a perceived raise stench. I, if you, you know, think that John Henry and Sam Kennedy didn't read the papers over the last few years and find Dan Shaughnessy calling them Tampa Bay North and all the criticism about them turning into a small market. I think they're conscious of the fact that hiring another guy who came up in the Rays organization is going to be kind of a tough pill to swallow for some fans, and therefore it might scare them off. I know Click was the number one in Houston. That might take the Rays stench, for lack of a better word. Um, That's in air quotes, that, right? that, would, that would be a clever redirection on the part of Red Sox ownership. No, no, no. Don't associate him with the Tampa Bay Rays. How about this cheating organization here that was <laughs> disciplined left well, and right was, in Major League Baseball? That was after him. But not after the manager. Um, he's an intriguing guy. I, I do think that it's not like they're going to just – you know, say, James, would you like to interview? And he's going to be rushing to Fenway. I think there are going to be, as we said, reservations on his end for a variety of reasons. He just dealt with an extreme amount of meddling from both the owner and the manager in his last stop to the point where, again, he got fired days after winning a World Series. I don't he think got he fired wants on the morning of the parade. Yeah, well, I don't think he wants a place where he's not going to have complete control. 
And even if the Red Sox offer it to him, he can call up a good friend in Heimbloom and be told, hey, that's not actually what's happening here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Click is an intriguing candidate, uh, if only because he did leave Tampa, and I'm not hung up on Tampa Bay the way other people are. But yeah, I'm did. just I'm just saying that's a that's no, an ownership you're perception. Right, you're thing. right. They are PR conscious. They know what was written. They know the criticisms they faced about. Oh, they're looking for another low payroll bottom feeder guy who came up the raise way. But um, but Click went to Houston on his own. Was the number one decision maker there and not incidentally, won a World Series uh, and made a couple of pretty savvy midseason trades. And the fact that he, you know, lived to tell about dealing with Jim Crane, which is uh, no small feat in baseball. Everyone understands how hands-on he is. I think he understands, click that is, uh, and if he doesn't, he'll hear it from Heim Bloom, that there are probably some other issues in Boston that you have to deal with. Um I, but I don't think meddlesome owners are, are on that list. You can say that uh, John Henry and Tom Werner and Mike Gordon uh, change direction, that they the pendulum swings back too quickly, that there's some instability there. But this is not on the level of Jim Crane, you know, telling you who should be in the rotation and who should be called up from the minor leagues. There isn't that level of interference here. There, there are other issues that we know of, um, but but that's not one of them. So it'll be interesting to see how he prioritizes that. Well, what I meant is just kind of the whole culture of not having full power, which he not only dealt with with Crane, but Crane having or Baker having Crane's ear, Dusty Baker as the manager of the Astros last year, vetoing trades. I think they had a deal to get Wilson Contreras at the deadline. They pivoted to old friend Christian Vasquez um, and a much talked about trade around here. But the manager was going to the owner and vetoing trades. That's not completely out of the question with what the structure is going to be here. Certainly not. We know that Alex Cora is going to have as much power as any manager in the game, at least through 2024 the final year of his deal and then there's the whole unanswered question is does he get extended during spring training does he get extended after the hiring of the the chief baseball officer or the chief baseball executive all those things have to be explored by click or whoever it is another Mm -hmm. candidate that we've talked about josh burns i think we covered him enough on friday still unclear if he's interviewed or not so we'll move on to the two kind of uh names that really came out yesterday that were um you know, in one case, not really linked to the job before, uh, and another case suddenly available, and that's Kim Ang, the former uh, general manager of the Marlins. Uh, she did a great job down there, and somehow the Marlins, because no matter the ownership, no matter what happens, they still seem to do dumb things. They wanted to hire a president of baseball operations over her, which, uh, as any good executive was would do, she walked. She said, thanks, but no thanks. I've had enough yeah, of this. Well, and, and not only that, but coming off the heels of the team's first long right. season playoff appearance in, what, 20 years? Yeah. Um, she thought she deserved more than having her option picked up for 24. She thought she uh, deserved not only full say about who runs baseball ops, but also a contract extension. And when uh, she couldn't get either one of those, she understandably walked out the door. And now uh, she's a name being talked about as perhaps uh, a fit in New York, uh, where she could come and be the GM under David Stearns um, and probably paid handsomely by Steve Cohen. Um, She is a Queens native. 
So perhaps the lure of coming back and working for the hometown Mets has some appeal. We know that she's already uh, spent a number of years in the Yankees front office. So she's worked in New York before. She worked in the commissioner's office. Uh, she has a great resume. She worked for the White Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, MLB. Um, you know, she's run the show in Miami and put them back, back on the map, made some interesting trades, gotten them into the playoffs, and she's going to be sought after. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether there's interest in her by the Red Sox and whether she has interest in them. I would guess that she gets an interview and that she is um, in real consideration. And she does have a relationship with Alex Cora from their time together with the Dodgers. You know, Cora's always been a guy who has not shied away from talking to front office types and trying to understand the business of the game. Um, and so he kind of is familiar with the people who are, you know, running the show. And she was an assistant, I believe, when he was in L.A. And so they know each other. Who knows if that plays a role, how much say he's actually going to have. But she's a name to watch for sure. We'll end with this, a dark horse candidate. And you know what? It kind of it came up yesterday um, where, you know, I think Joel Sherman and a couple of other people were, um, you know, mentioning this guy who uh, people had not really thought of. But I will take an ounce of credit here because it was a name I mentioned in my story on Friday just because uh, – a conversation pointed me this way. And I think we might've mentioned him on the pod. I texted a current major league manager, very well connected guy and said, Hey, what are you hearing on the Red Sox opening? And he goes, nothing other than Breslow. So what? That was the response. And Craig Breslow, his name has started to surface now. Uh, obviously, a former Red Sox pitcher who has a ring from 2013. He's worked the last few years. Uh, the Cubs um, assistant general manager, a lot of focus on the pitching side. There were rumors from Peter Gammons earlier in the month or about a month ago that the Red Sox were looking to hire him as a director of pitching development. Uh, those rumors were squashed, but interesting that there was smoke on him coming to the organization in some capacity. Uh, I don't know him personally, Sean. I know that you do from covering him. Um, seems like a bright guy. The rare, you know, in a time where there is this perceived disconnect between the front office and the players, bringing in a guy who's played and won a ring in your uniform, but is still a qual, which Brandon Gomes did not do, uh, will I think will be very interesting to or intriguing to the Red Sox. This seems like one of those dark horse names that actually does have some legs. Yeah. And remember, when in doubt, the Red Sox love to hire Yaleys as their baseball executive. Right. Theo Epstein, Heim Bloom, and Craig Breslow, who pitched at Yale and graduated from Yale, uh, would be uh, continuing that line. Uh, but a very bright guy, obviously. Anybody going to an Ivy League school like that, very well thought of, very. Um, it's uh, like the ACC. Very, very well versed on analytics. Uh, a good feel for the game, as you said, who could connect to the players, uh, who's been that sort of liaison uh, between the front office and some of the minor league system and the pitching program that the Cubs are trying to get going. Um, no uh, GM experience, obviously. And maybe that would be somebody who needed a more experienced hand to help guide him through some of the front office stuff. But a guy who's creative and obviously intelligent, so can't be crossed off the list, certainly. The thing with him, two things I think are intriguing with Craig Breslow. Number one, despite working for the Cubs, he lives in Newton now. 
would not have to uproot a family. And that's obviously been a concern for some of these other candidates. We heard about John Daniels and, and Mike Hill being comfortable in his spot. Craig Breslow would not have to move. And I think, you know, in a time where people are really prioritizing that, uh, I think that's an interesting thing. The other point I'd make, that's a guy who you could hire as your GM under a president of baseball operations, whether it be someone who needs that big chair title as the number one, like a James Click or a Thad Levine or potentially an Eddie Romero. Like Breslow's an assistant GM in Chicago. I, I believe they have... um a GM, right? Hawkins under Jed Hoyer. Uh, so you to get him, just offer him the promotion to the GM role, even if he's the number two, bringing that voice into the organization, a guy who's going to know how to connect with the players um, and really kind of revamp the pitching side, which is a big part of what they're trying to do. I, I think it's a very interesting name and, and someone that um, well liked throughout the game and, and, um, what are your memories of covering him? Uh, if he gets hired, we'll do a full episode on this and have to burn this this tape. But um, do you have any takeaways from that time? He was with he was here for I mean, a, a couple different stints, right? Yeah, yep. Um, uh, you know, a guy who was uh, a, a decent lefty reliever, never a star by any magnitude or by any measure, um, but uh, a guy who I think had a very uh, analytical small a mind even back then and in approaching the job of pitching and was very early into some of the advanced metrics and studying that uh, you know not a big guy um actually fairly small even for a pitcher um but a guy who milked his talent and got a number of years of big league service time and I think, you know, is is renowned for his intelligence and the expectation was that this guy could do anything in his post-playing career. And it was a no surprise to anyone who knew him that he decided to, you know, get involved in the management side while keeping his hand in kind of the field as he's um, sort of the minor league pitching coordinator uh, of the Cubs, although the title is a little loftier than that. So, um not surprised that his name is being mentioned or that he's on that management track. Sean here. We'll end this with a trivia question. Craig Breslow started with the Red Sox in 2006, bounced around for a few different teams, came back from 2012 to 2015. But in 2013, when they won the title, a lot of guys had career seasons, including Craig Breslow at this point, 59 and two thirds innings for the Red Sox, 61 appearances. What was Breslow's ERA that year? I, I am not even going to pretend. One eight one, pretty good. Yeah, you would. I would have taken the over on that for yeah. a guy that he he then the next year had sixty appearances and a five nine six. So yeah. things yeah. evened and, out. And there were highs and lows to that career, um, but that'll matter little, I'm sure, in the interview room if he gets there. That's kind of your rundown no pun intended on the red sox gm search as things stand obviously many updates to come another episode back here thursday as always thanks for listening to the fenway rundown this has been the fenway rundown brought to you by mass live